from Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we sit down with Erin Schneider of Hilltop Community Farm as she shares her inspiring story of farming just a few miles from where she grew up. Hear about Erin's passion for hardy Midwest perennial fruit and her advice on marrying someone who's already running a farm business and how to carve out your own niche. In her case, flowers. Erin Schneider runs Hilltop Community Farm in Lafarge, Wisconsin in partnership with her husband, Rob McClure raising a wide range of vegetables, herbs, fruits, and flowers. A graduate of the National Farmers Union Beginning Farmer Institute, Erin has volunteered on multiple assignments in Senegal through the Farmer to Farmer program with USAID to increase women's economic empowerment and food security. She currently serves on the Administrative Council for North Central SARE. We are here with Erin Schneider of Hilltop Community Farm in beautiful Laval, Wisconsin. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Erin. And Erin, you are truly one of those amazing women who who always says yes. And I mean that in a most <laughs> sincere and generous way. You're generous with your time and sharing and collaboration and love of farming. And we look forward to hearing your story. And Start us off, if you would, on where Hilltop Community Farm and Erin Schneider are today. Today. Wow. Well, Lisa, thank you. It's a real honor to, to share to share the farm trajectory. And we'll start today and see where the conversation goes. We'll um, go backwards. We'll go backwards. Tell your farm story forwards. today. Yeah. Um, so if you were at our farm today, it would be beautiful um, and because sunny it's early and clear. And you, there's no bugs. The birds are singing. <laughs> and you can finally be barefoot in, your, in the soil. Um, anyhow, but seriously, we when I say we, my husband, Rob McClure, and I co-own and steward Hilltop Community Farm, as you mentioned, we're a um, small-scale, diverse CSA, community-supported agriculture farm and market garden, and um, we specialize in growing food, vegetables, and fruit, and flowers. So Rob, I like to say that Rob has been managing the Veggie CSA since 1993. I joined the Mary Band in 2007, and I kind of managed the flower side of things he takes the lead on the the vegetables, and we meet together in the orchard. (laughs) Awesome. So you... How yeah. big is your CSA? Oh right now? yeah, thank you. So um, we're pretty small scale. Um, we do we our CSA right now. I have a twenty member flower CSA program um, for veggies. It's one of those things where we're slowly shifting away from veg, but we're not ever really because we have people who have like six to eight um, family members. We can consider them our family who have been with us forever. So we feed six families and ourselves through vegetables. And on the fruit side of things, we have like a, a fruit market share. So not necessarily a, what people think of CSA as throughout the whole season, but there are some peak times where over the years we've kind of tweaked and like, oh, 
here's what we know we can pretty confidently offer up for fruit. Um, so we have some of a growing fruit list, um, and then we sell to a few chefs, mostly in Madison and also in Reedsburg. And you do some value-added under Wisconsin's cottage food pickle law too, right? For yeah, having yeah. canned items and things over time. Yes, we have, and that has been a really great, like, way to extend our season and pay for our travel fund, but then also like deal with the surplus and, and with, with fruit, they're very life-giving and abundant. And if you think I say yes, Lisa, like a quince and a kiwi, um, are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Cause so. you do a lot of like really, uh, well, I, I always call them unique fruits, but they're really not unique. Oh. They've been grown here for forever. A lot of them, we've just lost touch true. with a lot of these hardy Midwest perennial fruits, right? Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, it is maybe unique in the sense of like, uh, oh, the sentient, beautiful um, being of, of ruby jewel current strigs. But I hear what you're saying. Um, a lot of times our fruit, you know, because we are small scale and we um, we do work off farm um, and we're primarily doing our work by hand, um, our farm is run on 100% renewable energy. And so we do a lot with on the perennial side, as you mentioned. Um, so we have some of the low hanging fruits, like, you know, apples and pears, like literally, literally, <laughs> but sort of those things of like, people are like, when they think of fruit, they're like, Oh, you grow apples. I'm like, yes. And did you know? So you kind of like those little teasers, right? Like, you know, the kiwi grows in Wisconsin. Like the that one kiwi? shocks a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know why it's always assumed this tropical. Well, I, I think it's because that's what we've all we're used to, or I've been conditioned to see, um, in the grocery stores and, and the, you know, New Zealand hardy fuzzy kiwi, it has a really fascinating story, of um, you trace the fruit back, it actually comes from like the foothills of Southeast Asia. Don't don't quote me on that one particularly, <laughs> but it's from that part of the world yeah, in yeah. the Arctic. It's a vine, and I think the story with kiwi is that like um, you know, like non, like missionary nuns on the in the early 1900s like brought some hardy kiwi from the skin. You know, almost like sometimes they're called kiwi berries. They don't have the fuzziness. They're smaller. Yeah, about the size of your thumb. Huh. But tastes like just like kiwi. You can eat the whole thing. Um, but anyhow, so that kind of went to New Zealand and adapted to that climate. And they must have, over years, like grafted and bred for fuzziness and, and robustness. <laughs> and, fuzzy but, robustness. But fuzzy robust doesn't work in Wisconsin climate for fruit. <laughs> we need the smooth and sleek and, yeah, anyway, I don't Hardy. know. Yeah, Hardy. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, all right, so take us back to where, no, <laughs> where to, your food roots started. So, because you grew up sort of in this, the area where your farm is now. Yeah, I, I like to say that, you know, just like nature's full of fun ironies like <laughs> like you know we we tried growing go- like um, gooseberries and couldn't get them to grow in our young orchard you know we had a sequencing issue but they were all over our woods and like growing really abundant berries like oh so we weren't paying attention okay well the same kind of thing like I, I did grow up actually six miles from where I'm farming which is ironic because you know at, you know, at the, you're always kind of like oh time to go and get as far away in the continental u.s as you can when you're going off to after college and um so yeah i but yeah i'm from the area and did you come from a farming background or family farms oh um maybe a generation removed so i always uh, my my family have always lived in rural Reedsburg and grew up and had lots of really huge gardens and um, we've always planted trees. I also, that's kind of another thread. I think for me, every adventure and life adventure has really started with um, planting a trees. And whether it's in our, you know, backyard woods, um, I've done a lot of restoration work in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a professional pile and hole digger, basically, <laughs> as a farmer. Hey. But trees are like kind of our example of like, you know, life's great networkers and life giving and extending those mutual support things, but at the same time being your own individual self. And I think that 
that to me holds a lot of true in how I farm and how do I like to approach farming. Um, and the love story in all this, not just the love of like Aaron geeking out on fruit and cheesy kiwi, <laughs> is really funny. Like, um, so Rob, uh, he, the farm basically was in his family since in the 1970s. And I had no idea as a kid when I was like living six miles there, I didn't know it existed. And kind of headed west and did other things, had another life. And <laughs> when I moved back to Wisconsin, came down from the mountains, so to speak, I was I was a director of what's now Fair Share CSA Coalition. That was, was like 10 years ago. And Rob was one of the member farms. And I'm like, well, I need to meet these members. And I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're like, you're a farmer, yeah, but you're not just any farmer. And oh, wow, you grew up like six miles, or you're here six miles from me. And you also live and work in Madison and you're three blocks from me. Like, I feel like wow. sometimes like, <laughs> Just our souls were tracking each other. That's what my neighbor told me. And I was like, oh, I love that story. So yeah, of course oh, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And it comes full circle. Yeah. And he's a real, you know, compliment and just man with heart. And um, yeah, he he definitely is supportive and recognizes the autonomy that we all have to have as women and decision makers. And at the same time, you know, very mutually supportive in the skills he brings too. So, so you were in a really unique situation then where you you kind of married into an existing farm <laughs> yeah. operation. Yeah. Why? Yet... <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. But no, no. But, but then in, in how, long, how long have you been married or running the farm together? Um, well, I joined the Mary Band in 20, 2007, but we got married in 2011. Okay. So, but yeah. almost, almost looking at yeah. 10 years, right? So, <laughs> But you've found an interesting way to blend things and you've mm-hmm. created your own. The farm has changed since you've come around, yes. right? And yeah. new things have been added and some are... Your ownership and some in partnership with Rob, you make it work, mm-hmm. bottom line. Yes, maybe we're trying. <laughs> but yeah, that's every year. No, it's each year a new beginning, right? Or each day. Um, but yeah, I think um, one thing that's been really interesting, like, you know, you think of like, okay, the farm is now um, having to support another person, right? And what does that look like? And to us, you know, we have other, like, you, as you mentioned, other um, skills and, and things that Rob works at Just Coffee Co-op. I do some teaching and some grant review work and other things. And the farm has never, we never asked it to be the be-all, end-all for us. And But that's pretty intentional. Um, and it's not everybody's reality either. So we're also really lucky that we have we had tenure there. And so it's hilly. And um, I think that's why our shift toward perennials, not just because we love fruit and trees and, um, and like, perennial herbs, et cetera, but also just because it makes sense for the land and what grows well there. And we're like, well, we have this gift and ability to to be here for a long time. So I hope that answered the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you've basically created a, a, a farming-based lifestyle and livelihood that meets your, yeah. your diversified Trying. interests. Because yes. you even... You both like live in Madison during the winter, right? Or you, you, yeah, you have we do. two places you bop from. You've which seen our farm. You... It's got character. It's well, yeah, not maybe not a whole lot of winterization, <laughs> no. but but that's all right. I mean, yeah. I, I can appreciate that, that yeah. having different surroundings, mm-hmm. you, you get the best of both worlds in a way. You get the yeah. urban scene and the farm scene and uh, diversity within your year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what started with you and the fruits and the perennial fruits or... Well, um, like I mentioned, I've always grown trees, and I think it's just a. Um, we were trying to find things that, like, okay, well, what we go out on our land, it's hilly, and like, well, you know, okay, well, fruit will grow well here, or at least in in this space. So it was kind of like, well, what does land? How do we, how does it express itself, and how do you know how does it work with us? Um, so we were looking for things that what are what are things that are high yielding, grower friendly, and exceptionally nutritious, and we sort of set out on that. Um, 
through like learning and talking with other fruit friends and being like, well, what's worked for you? And well, let's try to play with it in a different way that works for our land. Um, and I think at first we came in with the question of like, okay, can we grow these fruits in combination with each other? Like, and there's a term called a, um, a forest garden. Mm. Um, I can explain <laughs> without getting too like caught up in the F words here, but it's a <laughs> perennial polyculture of mutual, uh, perennial polyculture of, um, plants that create networks of mutual support and they share resources both throughout the season and spatially in terms of layers wow. and below ground. And it's all based on complementary functions. So just as like, I think, um, you know, how we presence ourselves in, in the farming community and especially with direct marketing, which is what I know and sharing resources, um, that's really helped. So we've been able to grow fruit, fodder, fertility, pharmaceuticals, um, and fun. So. But you've done it very intentionally, like the yeah. forest garden. You've designed it and yeah. researched it. Yeah. So where I know you, I know you are a science research nerd. <laughs> However, what where do you go to for information? Because you're yeah. pretty self-taught in all of this, right? I mean, your degrees are. Th- I mean, you, you didn't enter your adulthood with this True. vision. It's so. really funny, like how. <laughs> <laughs> It's hilarious. The rest, oh, I know the rest goes, is yeah. history, as I say, right? Um, so my background's in, like, I, I have a degree in soil science and environmental education, and um, I've done a lot of work with um, restoration education and spent a lot, like, probably the first half of, like, you know, um, my working career in service to teaching and science and kind of, like, a series of life conditions and love and markets and et cetera. How you, I, I, like, how do we want to be? And there's a sense of, like, I didn't necessarily move back to Wisconsin for work. It was, like, a big shift. Like, oh, I'm moving back for, like, family and community. And, wow, that that's looking different. And how do I make that work? And um, I don't know where I'm rambling with this one, Lisa, but... Well, um, no, where, <laughs> Along oh, the way, you, you, along wanted, the way. you needed knowledge in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, you meet other fruit friends. So <laughs> Fruit friends. That's what I meant to ask you. Where did you find fruit friends? <laughs> well, like, you know, this. what I love about the farming community here, and just kind of in general, people, you know, as you mentioned, people are, like, just generous. And, you know, just asking questions and going to field days. So um, the In Her, Bo- um, In Her Boots workshop series. Yeah, well, especially when women gather. Yeah. That's our natural tendency, yeah. too. But there's, a, you know, Extension has been some interesting research resources are helpful um there's a, a network in the area there's like a network for everything right there's even an aronia growers association so you got an idea or a plant out there you know go for it um but that's really important because yeah. nobody needs to reinvent the wheel yeah. or necessarily even read through volumes of texts you know there's people <laughs> yeah. to help and that's what i find so inspiring is that goes against any traditional business school model right i mean why True. would you yeah get together and share your your secrets per se with other people doing exactly the same thing but we do and it <laughs> works true. yeah i know yeah <laughs> so we tend we tend to approach it and i i think like and in terms of that question well what do we want to grow what do we have time and energy for what's a good fit for our markets and you know how do we want to be in the world like how do we want to how do we see ourselves spending our time in our day and that changes over time um obviously and some things I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I used my body differently. <laughs> or why did I, you know, or you're just, here's the reality of why did, why is, why did I design where I have to go uphill <laughs> to get to the cooler here in this spot? But, you know, it's, well, they're always tweaking, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you so, do a lot of uh, workshops on the farm too in different capacities, yeah, right? Yeah. The teaching component's important to you. It is very much so. And it's also like a bit of really great way for us to, um, 
uh, just get a growing list of uh, customers too. I mean, so it's served multiple functions. A lot of everything we do has. What like, kind? Of, sorry, what kind of workshops do you? Oh, oh, so done? I know a variety over the years. Yeah, but so over the years it was we probably like so what we've learned. I should back up some fruit support along the way. I mentioned other growers, and then we also got a farmer rancher. Um, research grant to, to through the sustainable egg research and education program SARE, as it's known but they have uh, the north central region ha- like it's a grant making an education program for sustainable egg and they're really um very supportive of of you know it's farmer engagement and you're sharing so a lot of um with like an extension or outreach component so that was a huge help for us to like experiment with like well we know we grow fruit we have this existing market base we're looking at expanding and we want to try this out so it was a way to share risk and see what worked well and and then part of that we had some field days and um mostly on like topics like agroforestry um we've had like orchard tours and tastings um i think where it's evolved too we used to do some day long like you know geek out on the plants and like just go roam (laughs) which is fun um we posted some design charrettes out at the farm but then now Rob and I are like, okay, we can only have one porta potty run event a year. <laughs> so we can manage. Know what you want. Yep. Yep. And we're like, you know, I think, oh, you know, maybe this is us personally, but are also just noticing like, okay, what can we absorb and like, you know, what can people realistically absorb? Right. So they want to come, people come to the farm and you can just sort of see them relax and like exhale. It's a beautiful place. We're very great, fortunate. Um, so we're like, okay, we'll do a tour, have some good food and just relax and see what conversations come. So nice. that's how we like to roll. And, and again, but I would say upfront, it's, you know, just like you're getting an orchard started, you're not going to see the results for a few, a couple of years. And there's like a lot more engagement with that. But then you start to see things take shape and you know what sticks and works and you can pull back from that a little bit and sort of enter into a new phase which has been really lovely (laughs) nice well you've always been very uh what's the word intentionally curative about your life of what works and what doesn't work and and adapting accordingly so you do you've been doing some like for example of the flower workshops right arranging or growing yeah yeah so So that's pretty hands-on too people actually get in there yes absolutely you know i i feel like if people are gonna you know other farmers who you know um I think there's an element you come in, you see what works for a farm or on your farm, and then just give people a chance to play. I think by farmers are people who we love to get, everyone needs a little bit of soil under our skins, right? And so come and play, like, and bring that, like, curiosity and open-ended questions and see where it goes, you know? And I think, like, just that, that you know, you do this so well, too, Lisa, like, this art of hosting of, like, just, hey, come on in and, and then, you know, show some folks some highlights, three takeaways, and then, like, again, like, that food forest, like, people bring other they want to share what works well for them and their tips and all of a sudden you've got this like crazy like mycelial running and (laughs) great but flowers have been fun yeah Yeah. terrific thanks Erin thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast I'm your host Lisa Kiverest with the Moses In Her Boots project this episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of techsocket.net The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.